Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. This time we're happy to have our brother Buck Matthews, one of our overseers here. We're going to turn our Bible Instruction Time over to him. Brother Buck, please. Open your Bibles to John chapter 5. I've been looking into scriptures concerning the different questions that are asked in the Bible for quite a few months now, and hope you don't get tired of it because you know it's good to ask questions, um, and it's also good to hear the questions that the Lord Jesus Christ asked in the scriptures. And I know the first question asked in the Bible was by Satan himself: "Yea, hath God said you cannot eat of every tree of, of, of the garden?" And we know that was not what He said. He said, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but the one in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he shall not eat of. And day you do that, you shall die. But in John chapter 5 and verse 1 to about verse 9 we'll read. After this was there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went to Jerusalem. And uh, now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep gate, or sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, which means house of kindness, having five porches, and in these lay a great multitude of sick folk, blind, halt, withered, and waiting. Waiting for what? For the moving of the water. And verse 4, An angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, Whosoever then first, after troubling the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. didn't matter. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, in that case, he said unto him, here's the question, wilt thou be made whole? And the, the uh, sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water's troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man uh, was made whole, took up his bed, and he walked. On the same day was the Sabbath. Here in John chapter 5, verse 1, there's a phrase. It says, after this. Now, in the Gospel of John, there is an expression that divides it up into seven or eight portions, whichever you desire to say. But the the expression is after this or after these things. In John chapter 2 and verse 12, there's the expression after this. Meaning those verses before there, are discussed, and then it says, after this, then comes chapter 2, verse 13. And then in the second one is John chapter three twenty-two, which we read today, after these things. Another one is John chapter 5, verse 1, 
after this. And then nicely put in there, chapter 6, verse 1 says, after these things. And John chapter 7, verse 1, after these things. And it's a long, long time in the Gospel of John that it goes and talks about certain things in the Scriptures. And then chapter 19, verse 28, it says, after this. And then a little further on, the final one, after these things, is in John chapter 21, verse 20. So if you study the passages before that expression, which we're going to look at John chapter 3 and verse 22. It says, after these things, Jesus came and the disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. Here in this portion of scripture, which we've read already, thank you, Frank, and we read it, and, and the thing that you get out of this is about John the Baptist, the disciples were all concerned about this Jesus, whether he was on the same team. Well, in Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, Truly I say unto you, among those born in the world, there has been no one greater than John the Baptist. Now that's a good testimony. And I'm thinking, well, there was Moses. There was Abraham. There was a great King David. There was Solomon. All these people. But Jesus said, no one born in this world, among the women, among men, is greater than John the Baptist. Why is he so great? Well, he came to clear the way. The scripture says that he removed the obstacles from the minds and the hearts to be ready for the Messiah. He came to prepare the way, to promote repentance, to accept Christ. And he came to get out of the way. He must increase, I must decrease. Now here in the passage... That brings us up to John chapter 4 and verse 4. This is the things that are done before we get into chapter 5 of John's gospel. It says that he must go through Samaria in John chapter 4. Now we know that the Jews didn't do that. They were at odds against the Samaritans. They went the whole way around in order words. But Jesus went through Samaria. He did it again also in Luke chapter 17 for those Um, 10 lepers that were healed. In verse 7 of John chapter 4, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria. And Jesus requested, Give me to drink. She looked at him and she was curious. And she said, You're a Jew and you're speaking to me, who's a a Samaritan and a woman yet at that. And, And Jesus answered and said to her, You know, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you, you would have asked of him. And he would have given you water to drink that is called living water. The woman gets practical and says, you don't have anything to dip into the well. How can you give me this? And Jesus said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water in the well will thirst again. There's two whosoever's in verse 13 of John 4. Whosoever drinketh of this water in the well will thirst again. But he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him 
Out of him shall come springs of water, springing up into everlasting life. Well, she said to him, she must have listened, give me this water so that I may never thirst. She didn't quite understand what he was saying. He said, I can give you this water, but first go get your husband and let him come here and be present. Well, she knew what he was after. She knew as he said that. She said, I don't have a husband at this time. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the life that you're living, you're living without a husband. The man is not your husband. And she realized that he knew about her life and her sin. First of all, he came. she came at noontime to that well. And that wasn't the time that women came. They came in the early morning or in the cool of the evening. And she came because they would all gossip about her and talk of her. What a lady. She was not loved at all in this, in this town at this time. Well, she listened a little bit more. And she, instead of being practical, she said, you told me about my sin. I perceive you're a prophet. First she said, sir, I have, you have no water, no cup that reached down in or no bucket that reached down in. And she noticed, noticed that he must be a prophet because he knew about this stuff. And she, she became religious and she perceived that he was a prophet. So she, so she said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say Jerusalem's a place to worship. And this is what people do when when, when sin is brought before them, you know, when you're talking to somebody about the Lord and, and uh, they get religious on you and they say, well, I know about God, you know, but my sin, let's not talk about that. But God wanted to zero in, Christ wanted to zero in on sin. And so as she continued on her conversation, um, the woman said, then you must be the Messiah. She said, I, I know that the Messiah is going to come and that he's going to tell us all things that, uh, that we have done and all things concerning the scriptures. But Jesus said, here's an important statement. Jesus said, I that speak to you now, I'm the Messiah. That must have got a grip of her. He's claiming to be the Messiah. And she believed him because it said, the Bible says that she went into the city without her water pot. The disciples had now come by now. And they were asking him a different question. What are you doing talking to this woman? And all of a sudden, she goes, leaves her water pot and runs into the town. Now, she's not afraid to stand before the people because she knew that it wasn't just a sir. It wasn't just a prophet, but it was a very Messiah. She said, come and see a man have told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ, the Messiah? The Bible says that she was so persuaded that some of them believed, and many of them went out to speak to the Lord. And as they came out, they listened, and they, they listened to the Lord, and they talked to the Lord and said, Stay, and he stayed two more days. Many of the Samaritans believed on him that day. And many said to the woman, 
we not only believe in him because of what you've said, but now because of his words. Truly, this man here is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. That was in John chapter 4, verse 40. 42 says to the woman, I'm going to repeat it again. They said then, we have heard for ourselves, and we know indeed that he is the Christ, the Messiah. It's interesting to note that it reminds me of Romans 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. She wasn't ashamed. For it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew also, but also to the Greek or to the nations. That day changed that woman's life, but she had to deal with her sin first and realize that she could not have that living water until her sins were taken care of. You today that are listening or that will listen sometime on the website in the future, understand that in order to have that eternal life, that true water of life, drinking of the water of life freely, you must consider your sins. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he arose again the third day, just like the scriptures said that he would do. But let's move on. After these things, what else happened? John chapter 4, verse 46 to 54 is a story. It teaches us that about faith and about the word of God and believing and not seeing. There's a story here that Jesus comes into Cain of Galilee again, the place where he changed the water into wine. And there, as he changed that water into wine, people were amazed. But now he came in and there was a man there. He was a nobleman, very royal, and he was there on business that day. But he came to Jesus and he said to him, come and come down to Capernaum, 20 miles away or so. Come down to Capernaum and heal my son. Well, you need to know something about the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to go down a distance to heal somebody. He does not. He's in the glory now and he can heal you today. He can heal you by you believing that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and he arose again. If you trust in him and be sorry for those sins that you committed, he will save your soul. But as he went down, he said, then Jesus said to this man as he came and asked him to go down, he said, except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And then he said, your son is healed now. Did he believe him? Well, as you go further down, in verse 50, Jesus tests this man, and he says, here, Christ shows healing at a distance. He's showing the man that faith without the signs and wonders, that's what's needed. Faith without, the illustration is good in the scriptures about faith without seeing. There's a verse of scripture, two verses of scriptures in First Peter 1 verse 8 and 9 says, Whom having not seen ye love, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, 
And verse 9 says, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. In verse 51 of chapter 4, it tells us that he believed by faith because he finished his business and he came back to Capernaum as he was heading down to Capernaum the next day. He had to believe because he, it, we know that it's the next day that the uh, servants come out from Capernaum, meet him halfway, and they're jumping up and down. They're saying, he's alive, he's alive. And this makes him happy. <coughs> and so he asked. He asked the servant, when did he get healed? <coughs> and they said, about the seventh hour. About the seventh hour yesterday. And the man thought a minute, that's when Jesus said that he was healed. And so the man went down and told the story to his family. And a lot of the family were converted because of that. You see, distance doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where Jesus is or you are. He can come near and save your soul. He can say your soul is saved because you believe that you're a lost sinner and that Christ Jesus died for your sins. You can be saved even today. Now, let's go to John chapter 5 and verse 1. John chapter 5 and verse 1 says, There is a feast of the Jews. You know, this is the state of Israel at this time. Because in John's gospel, when it mentions about the feast of Jehovah, it calls it the feast of the Jews. It has become them. They've taken it and made it their own. You think, well, that's good. No, they made it their own way. They made it their own religion. They made the rules and the regulations of all these feasts. And the feast of Jehovah has become, in John's gospel, the feast of the Jews. This is the state that they were in. But, verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 5. He went to Jerusalem, and there was by the sheep gate. Now, the sheep gate is actually Nehemiah chapter 3, and the end of chapter Nehemiah, it mentions the sheep gate. It's a gate that was in the city, and it's where the, the sheep would go through. They'd be examined, and the priest would look at them and examine them, make sure there's no spot, no blemish. But it has also become, in the New Testament, a sheep market. Didn't I tell you the Jews changed it? Not just a sheep gate to go through and examine. The sheep gate were examined, but then they started selling the sheep. The people thought it was more convenient for them to come to Jerusalem instead of driving their sheep to Jerusalem and to go ahead and to buy, purchase that sacrifice. Well, while they were there at that gate purchasing that sacrifice to take it to the temple. There was something else there. There were five large porches. And there was this pool of Bethesda called the pool of kindness, God's kindness. And underneath those five porches, the number of five in the scripture speaks of grace. I know you've heard that, but what does that mean? Well, Christ had five wounds on the cross. That's the grace of God. The word grace has five letters in it. And also, David, when he took those five smooth stones, he came in the name of the Lord and trusted in the grace of God to take that one stone to kill Goliath. But he had four other stones. Who were they for? He had four of the brothers. 
and over the scriptures as you study there in Samuel and Second Samuel and all, you'll find the story of how each one of Goliath's uh, sons or brothers, sons I should say, brothers, sorry, brothers were killed by either David or one of his men. One of the men had six, 12 fingers and 12 toes. Unusual looking guy. But then one looked like a lion. Man, what a family. <laughs> anyway, let's go on. But there in Bethesda, at the pool of Bethesda, there were these sick people. They were blind. They were halt. They were withered. And they were waiting. What were they waiting for? Scripture tells us that there was a time, a season of the year. I don't know whether it was once a week, whether it was once a month, or whether it was a three feast that they had during the time of the year that the Jewish people come up three times a year. I don't know how many times, but the point was that there was a certain season that the troubles, waters were troubled by an angel sent from God. You know, there's a certain season today. This might be the season of your salvation. You might be saying, I need to be saved. I, I, I've heard it many times, but I just don't know whether it's my time. Christ has given you the season today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. No man cometh unto the Father but through Christ. This is the season of your life. And you now need to make that decision on whether you would have Christ as your Savior or not. Here's the season. This man was there 38 years. That's five years before the Lord was born. He was there on that porch waiting, crawling, rolling, whatever he could do to get to that pool, but someone else always came in before it. What a sad life. Why did he stay there? Because there was hope that he might make it sometime. You know, there's a lot of people today and they think, well, I'm hoping to be in heaven. I'm hoping to be healed of my, uh, be healed and, and have salvation and get rid of this disease called sin. I'm hoping that someday it'll happen. But don't hope. This could be the season. In fact, the idea of this is that the man was asked a question by the Lord Jesus Christ then. Here he was, 38 years. And Christ asked him a question. Do you want to be healed? Now, you know, first of all, when you read that question, you say, well, what a question to ask. I'm here 38 years. Of course I want to be healed. You know, there's millions of people out there in the world today. And they have this disease called sin. And they're going on and on and on. 20 years, 30 years, 38 years, 58 years. And they're not saved yet. Well, will you be saved today? Will you be made whole? That's a question, and a very good question, and asked by the most wonderful person that you could ever know, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Are you healed? Here we are. Here they were, hundreds of feet away from the temple. Why didn't they go to the temple to be healed? Because of the state of Israel. There was no one there that was healing. No one. Why didn't they just uh, go there? And, and, and Because they had no one to help them, that's why. No one to help. Remember that Jesus brought that woman's sin before her. Remember 
that Jesus said you don't need a sign or a wonder. You just need to believe. And so this man was going to come and his life is going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, his life is going to be changed. He said, will you be made whole? And he said, I don't have anyone to take me. He thought that was the only way to get there is someone to help. No one's helping. They were all there every year, three times a year, buying these sheep, going in. They just ignored those people. And there were flocks of them, multitudes, five porches full of these people. And they would not take their time to say, wait a minute, let me go over and help this person in. The waters are being troubled. Let me go help them. No, they had no concern for the man's soul. No one careth for my soul, says the scriptures. No one, except the Lord Jesus Christ. When this man finished his statement, I don't have anyone. The Lord Jesus Christ looked at him, fixed his eyes on him, as he will on you. I have no one to save me. Yes, you do. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to this man, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, he must have felt something within him, his bones getting stronger. For the Bible says he stood up immediately. He didn't make any kind of excuses. He just stood up at the Lord Jesus Christ commanded him to do so. Jesus came right there where he was. He didn't say you're healed from a distance. He didn't. There was no distance involved. Now there's time. 38 years he was in this condition. That doesn't matter to Christ. It doesn't matter if you've been in this condition 50 years. Christ says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be made whole? And so I say to you today, I want you to halt. How long will you how long will you halt between two opinions saved or lost? You don't need any man to help you. Christ has done the work. In fact, if you tried to do the work, you wouldn't know how much work. You wouldn't know what work you should be doing. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know how long you're to do all these good works. Titus 3.5 says, The Bible, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he has saved us. By his kindness he has saved us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You see, he was healed and he started walking over to the temple. He had a desire to go to the temple and worship, even though they didn't do it the way that they should have been doing it. And he went and uh, hmm, they said to him, what are you doing walking? What are you doing walking with your bed? That's works. This is a Sabbath day. Don't do it. You see, Christ ended the Sabbath when he rose from the dead. There was no need for the Sabbath. No need to rest because the thing is, is that Christ bore our sins on his body, in the tree, on the tree. And he was the one who completed the work. So I trust today that you believers will thank God today for that time in your life that Jesus said to you, well, you want to be made whole, and you trusted him. And maybe there's someone out there in radio land, so to speak, when you read the, hear the message again on the website, 
might wonder or realize that today is the day of my salvation. I can trust and be made whole through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless his word. Father, we thank thee for these examples we have in the scriptures. How that Christ can deal with our sin. How that Christ can heal us from a distance. And he can heal us no matter how old we are or young. We trust our Father that there's someone here today that knows not Christ as Savior. That they might feel that they are being approached by Christ today. That the Spirit of God will deal with their souls. That they might understand that they have that sickness called sin. And they're not going to get rid of it. Never until they trust Christ as their Savior. Would to God that this would be the day that they might rise up and walk in Christ, trusting in the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Pray for Traveling Mercy's home as well. In thy name we pray. Amen.